Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You're listening to the fourth of our Lent series. In this sermon, you're going to hear how the cross empowers us in this time of isolation and uncertainty. Because Christians, we've been trained for such a time as this. You are listening to Proclaiming the Lord's Death, the Cross, and the Coronavirus by Rev. Peter Yonker. Those of you who are members of LaGrave and have been going to our services, you know that uh, we've been in the middle of a series that focuses on the cross of Christ. It's been called Proclaiming the Lord's Death. And for this Sunday, I had something different planned, but I'm changing my plans. And I would like to talk with you today about the cross in relation to this situation, into this crisis that we're going through. And the passage that I've chosen to do that is 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 11. And I'll read that in a minute. I want to set it up. I I want to spend some time getting it ready for you because I want this to be as effective as possible. When I read that scripture, I really want you all to hear it, okay? So first, some background. Maybe you know that 1 Peter is a letter written to people who are under stress. There are people who feel like their world is falling apart. They feel like everything is going to pieces and they're deeply worried about their future. Why is that? Well, scholars tell us it's persecution. These are people who are suddenly feeling hostility from the society around them. The culture has suddenly turned against them. And scholars disagree about the level of this persecution. Some people think it was severe persecution. Other people think it was just strong social disapproval. But it had real-world consequences. So, for instance, if you were a Christian business, you might lose your business. People would stop coming to your stall, to your marketplace, and you would lose it. If you're a Christian employee, you might get fired and have a hard time finding a new job. And if you were just a Christian neighbor, the neighbors who used to be nice to you might suddenly hold you at arm's length. It was a hard time. And, and if you read through the whole letter of 1 Peter, and I encourage you to do that this week because it's a great letter for these times, you, you can sense the stress. In the words that I'm about to read, you'll hear about the people being in suffering and anguish. And most vividly of all, Peter will talk about the devil prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And in the rest of the, the, of the book, you'll hear about things like uh, um, people being reviled for having the name of Jesus and being treated like evildoers and just the culture not treating them very well at all. And it made it fearful. When they woke up in the morning, it was like fear was knocking on their window and saying to them, what are we going to do? What are we going to say? How is this going to go? What's going to happen to our society? What's going to happen to our church? I wonder if that's a fear that you can relate to right now. I know it's a fear that I can relate to. We are not under persecution. No one's accusing us of being evildoers or reviling us for bearing the name of Jesus. But we feel the weight of the situation. And we do feel a little bit like the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And when we wake up in the morning, fear knocks on our window, and we wonder, what are we going to do? Where is this all leading? And there's reason for fear. 
predictions of two million people dying in this country. We're trying to bend the curve, we're trying to change that, but just hearing those predictions, it's a fearful thing. Many of us have friends or family members in the healthcare industry, and we worry about them, their workload, them getting infected. Business owners, and I know there are many of you watching, you're terribly worried about how is this going to go? What's going to happen to my income? How am I going to pay my bills? Hourly employees. Many of you have already lost your jobs, and many of you were already living paycheck to paycheck, and you're wondering, how is this going to go? How am I going to survive through this? And I haven't even mentioned the at-risk populations, the people we love, who we worry about getting really seriously ill. Fearful times. Peter stands up in the middle of these fearful times and he has a word from the Lord. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he has something to say to us. And he's a good person to do it because he knows what it's like to live through dark times. He was there on that dark Friday when the world went dark and the roaring lion literally tried to devour God's son. So he knows from dark times. And this is his word to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so what is God saying to us through the words of Peter? What, what is Peter saying to us when we face crisis? I think there are three things that we can say that Peter is saying that apply to our present crisis. And the first thing Peter is telling us is, as you face this, you are not alone. Stand firm. Because you know that fellow believers all around the world, he says, are going through exactly the same sufferings that you are going through. This is how it goes. This may seem strange to you. This situation may seem unusual. But Peter's saying, no, this, this is how it goes. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This has always been what it means to follow Jesus, is to face hard things like this. We've always faced the same enemy. It's the same enemy today as it has always been. So stand firm. And he's right about that. This is hardly the first time that we of Christians have faced overwhelming circumstances. It's not even the first time that we of Christians have faced a pandemic. Our history, we've actually been fortunate. We've had very few of these. But in the history of the church, there have been many, many plagues that Christian people have had to deal with. In the early church, plagues would regularly sweep through the cities. 
Uh, and historians tell us that when it got really bad, for instance, in Rome, sometimes 5,000 people would die in a day in those cities. And the Christians had to figure out, how do, I, how do we live in the middle of this? How do we be Christians in the middle of this, this plague? In the Middle Ages, it was the Black Death and the bubonic plague. It swept through Europe from the 14th through the 16th century in repeated waves. And it was really bad. Uh, in, the, in the 14th century, scholars say that something between 40 to 60% of the entire population of Europe died because of the Black Plague. You want to talk about death rates. And Christians had to figure out, how do we live in that? How do we, how do we witness in the middle of that? Um, the reformers, Martin Luther, wrote a tract about how Christians should respond in the middle of the plague. And his advice actually still sounds pretty good today. Let me read you about some of what he said to the Christians of his day as they faced pandemics. He said this, Use medicine. Take potions which can help you. Fumigate house, yard, and street. Shun persons and places wherever your neighbor does not need your presence or has recovered. And act like a person who wants to put out a burning city. Pretty good advice. Honestly, facing a pandemic isn't even unique. What we're going through right now isn't even unique in the history of LaGrave. Did you know that LaGrave has closed down for a pandemic before? Way back in 1918, all the churches in Grand Rapids were ordered to shut down because of that Spanish flu plague. I read about it, a little bit about it from the uh, church, uh, from the Grand Rapids Herald, which was a newspaper back then. In October of 1918, this is what the Grand Rapids Herald said. There are perhaps few congregations in the city feeling the hardship of the church closing order as keenly as the 17 Christian Reformed churches. Members of these churches have been trained from childhood to regard regular church attendance as natural in their lives as eating breakfast. And at each of the two or three Sunday sessions, the churches tend to be crowded. In the meantime, however, church members are making the best of matters, conducting their services in their own homes. Stand firm in your faith because you know that the family of believers all over the world and throughout time have endured exactly the same sufferings that you're facing. Peter doesn't say this, and I don't say this to minimize today's fears or to minimize today's problems, only to say this is what it means to follow Jesus. We've always faced this kind of opposition. This is not a new foe. This is an ancient foe. And this ancient foe seeks to work us woe. His craft and power are great. He's armed with cruel hate, but one little word shall fell him. You are not alone. Which brings us to the second thing that Peter tells us about how to face this crisis. Peter reminds us that as people of the cross, we are trained for this fight. This fight will be hard, but Peter says and reminds us, and whole scripture does this, we have been training our whole life 
for fights like this. Did you notice all the training language in the passage? Peter says things like, humble yourselves, be alert, sober-minded, resist the devil, stand firm in the faith. Okay, this is it's the language of discipline and preparation and formation. When we follow Jesus, when you stand under his cross, when you're a lifelong church member, when you've done the church thing your whole life, you are disciplined and formed in the faith. You have been in training. To use Jesus' words, when you pick up your cross every day to follow him, you've been training for such a time as this. Every time you come to church, you're trained in Christian hope and generosity and sacrifice. Then you go home and you pray at dinner and you read your Bible and you go to Bible studies and you're being trained in Christian hope and sacrifice and service. You come to church, you pray, you open yourselves up to the Holy Spirit and you ask him to fill you with his fruit. And, and over all the years, he's been doing that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Little by little, you've been trained for these things and these are the skills that you need for this time. They're in you. You are ready. That's one of the beauties of being part of a Christian church. That's why regular participation in this community is so important. Because consumer society which I think you will agree is sort of the dominant ethos of our society today. Consumer society also trains you. But it trains you in wanting, in pleasure, in fun. Every day in a consumer society, through advertisements, things get held up in front of you and they say, well, you should try this, this is fun, or you should try that, it's pleasurable. It forms you. And it's not all bad, right? I mean, fun and pleasure are not evils in the proper proportion. God created us to enjoy his world. I like going out for dinner. I like a nice movie once in a while. And I won't say no to a nice Banana Republic sweater if someone offers me one. These are pleasures and in proper promotion, they're, they're just fine. But they are a lousy foundation for life. If all you've been done is trained in pleasure and in wanting and in seeking fun, when the devil comes to prowl around like a roaring lion, at a time like this, you don't have the skills or the equipment to deal with it. If all you ever do is fun and pleasure, if this has been what's habituated in you, you will not be ready for times such as these. But brothers and sisters, you are people of the cross. You've been training for this your entire life. When trouble comes, you don't hoard toilet paper and cling to your cash. You're a child of the cross. And in church, you've been trained to open your wallet every single week and give to those in need and give to others. So you're ready for this. When trouble comes, you're not swept up in fear. You don't lock your doors and turtle. You're a child of the cross. You get up, you go out, and you move towards your neighbors, especially the weak one, even though it's a little scary. When trouble comes, you're not a finger pointer. You don't participate in the angry blame game. You're a child of the cross. The time will come when we have to figure out 
what did we do wrong? What could we have done better? Who's responsible? But that day is not today. Today's thing is to stand up and do the work of God while there is still day. We've prepared for this thing our whole life. The Spirit is in you, and you are ready. And if history is any indication, I think the church will respond wonderfully under the power of the Holy Spirit. Back in the, in the early church, I talked about how in Rome that these plagues used to sweep through the city on a regular basis. And the Christians in those times were wonderful. Uh, they used to uh, help each other, and, and then not just help each other, they would go out and help their neighbors, their pagan neighbors. And this was in stark contrast to the pagans. By, by pagan accounts, by non-Christian accounts, during those times, the pagans tended to be every man for himself, sort of the ancient equivalent of hoarding guns and toilet paper, okay? And, and should we be surprised? Their gods were competitive, self-centered gods, those gods had formed them for competition and self-interest, and that's exactly what they showed when the chips are down. But the Christians had stood under the cross of Jesus Christ. And so they didn't just help each other, they helped their pagan neighbors as well, which drove the emperor crazy. The emperor at those days was Emperor Julian. And Julian wanted to return Rome to all the pagan gods. That was his project. But the Christians were, were scuttling that because they were so nice that everyone was becoming Christian. And he wrote a famous letter where he ranted about that. And he said this, those rotten Christians, that's, that's, a, that's me paraphrasing. He didn't actually say those rotten Christians. With their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and the pretended holiness of their lives, it is a disgrace that those impious Galileans, those Christians, support not only their own poor, but ours as well. Those poor pagans never stood a chance because the Spirit of God was in those Christians and they'd been training for this their whole life and they were ready. And so are you. There's one last thing Peter says to us as we face this crisis. He says, you're not alone. He says, you can do this. You've been trained. But most importantly of all, and this is the strongest voice in his passage, he says, God is in control and is stronger than this. Yes, we're in hard times, says Peter. Yes, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But God is stronger than that enemy, and God has got this. He will lift you up in due time, says Peter. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And after you've suffered for a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. God can do this. God has got this. And we know that. That's a message you've been hearing your whole life in this place. We say it at the baptism of our children. We say it even more loudly when we bring our loved ones in here for funerals. And we say it every day in between. Every Sunday we proclaim the same message from this place. God is stronger. We may have to suffer for a little while. Death will have his short day. 
On Friday, the lion will growl and the sky will go dark. On Saturday, he will try to overwhelm us with fear and grief and uncertainty. But on Sunday morning, the sun will rise and the grave will open and Jesus will walk out, Lord of life. And he will have that roaring lion by the throat. And he will say, don't be afraid. I was dead, but I am alive. And I shall be alive forevermore. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Friends, I don't know exactly what the weeks ahead hold. I know that they will be hard. I know that there will be sacrifice. I know that the devil will prowl around and he'll do a lot of roaring and try to scare us. But do not be afraid. We belong to Jesus. We've trained for this our whole life and he has already won the victory. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Crucified Lord, risen Lord, you who have already won the victory over the roaring lion, fill our hearts with courage and wisdom as we face these days. Let us stand in the middle of all this and love each other well and let our love spill over the bounds of this community and into our neighborhoods so that all may see your glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.